can we worship together? And as we worship together, we're going to sing in our opening hymns, Praise the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord. This is taken from Psalm 134. This is Ian White's version. But then we'll remain standing as we go into Praise my soul, the King of heaven. So let's worship together.
angels, help us to adore him. Ye behold him face to face. Sun and moon bow down before him. Dwellish all in time and space. Praise him, praise him. Praise him, praise him. Praise with us the God of grace. Well, I'm sure we can add our amen to that. So let's unite our hearts as we pray together. Let's pray. Oh, our gracious and loving and eternal God, this new day we rejoice and delight in you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so as we give thanks for this new day, for you have brought us, yes, through all our wanderings, through our struggles with sin, our faithlessness, our temptations to doubt and fear. Lord, you've brought us through battles with Satan, battles with our prayerlessness. Lord, through all that we have faced, Lord, you, you bring us to the banqueting table of Christ's love and to a land flowing with the sweetness of your mercy, love and grace. Lord, despite all our uncertainties, despite all our fears, yet, Lord, you fill us with new hope and promise. Yes, the promise of rest is still open to us today. Therefore, Lord, we rest our weary souls in Christ. For Jesus, you are our promised rest. Lord, let forgiveness be our portion. Let perfect peace and rest satisfy the longings of our heart. Lord, let your Holy Spirit, our divine inheritance and the promise of the Father, fill us with joy unspeakable, full of glory. And Lord, continue to inhabit the praises of your people as we continue to seek to worship you in spirit and in truth. And so, Lord, open our eyes and open the eyes of our heart. And Lord, open our ears, oh, that we may hear your precious word, your word of truth. Lord, speak to us. And Lord, help us to delight in your word and to live out your word in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we do need your outpouring. Lord, as we approach Pentecost in the life of the church's calendar, Lord, we do pray for a fresh outpouring. Oh, how we need you. And so, Lord, empower your people. Refresh your church. Renew our days. And Lord, may streams of refreshing touch every community that we represent here today. And so, Lord, hear our prayers as we also unite our hearts in the Lord's Prayer, praying together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, we take our Bible reading from Acts chapter 4. And there in verse 23. Acts chapter 4 and at verse 23 through to 35. On their their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God, Sovereign Lord, they said. You made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind, No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Amen. And may the Lord bless us the reading of his precious word. Look at the early church. Here's a church of 120, and within one century, they grew to 10 million. That was the early church. They grew from 120. Now, for us, it would be exciting to grow back to 120. We used to have that here at the High Kirk. And more, actually. Wouldn't it be lovely to even grow to 120? And then maybe to 150? Now, that would be lovely. But imagine, for the next few years, the next decade, let's say the next 10 years, we grow to 10,000. Wouldn't that be lovely? Look at the early church. How could they grow from 120 to 10 million within a century? What did they have that we don't have? We're seeing churches decline in Scotland. Throughout the UK and all around the world, we're seeing churches declining. So what did they have in the early church that we don't have? Well, we know through the book of Acts, we notice they had the gospel. 
Now, I have to scratch my head and say, well, hang on, we've got the gospel. They knew the risen Savior. They had a personal experience of Christ. And I have to scratch my head and say, but hang on, we've had that too. Many of us here have come to know the Lord in our relationship personally. We've put our trust in Christ and we've known his presence. Hang on, if that's what the church had then, so what's the difference? One thing I've noticed going through the book of Acts that I wish we could see more of in our day. They had power. They had power. They had the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember last Sunday as we shared, Jesus said, whatever you do, wait until you are clothed with power. The church needs the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't need powerful gimmicks. We don't need powerful entertainment centers. What the church needs today is the power of the Holy Spirit. We need God. <laughs> we need the reality of God in the place. We, we need to come to church and go away saying, I felt him. I could feel God in the place today. That's, that's my prayer. Every Sunday I'm praying, Lord, please let hearts feel the presence of God to be so real. And I would encourage you, join me in that prayer. Pray, Lord, please may your power be seen. The power of the Holy Spirit to come upon this church. They knew power. They knew supernatural unction. It wasn't a feeling. It wasn't going to church and just feeling better. It was a supernatural unction of the Spirit that came upon this early church. They knew something otherworldly. It wasn't of themselves. It wasn't them trying to improve themselves and then things got better in the church's life. That they became better people and therefore people came and found out how they became better people. No. It was a supernatural move of God. The power of the Holy Spirit came upon the people, the church. And they were transformed. They could feel hope, peace, Love, mercy, grace. They felt the delights of God. They knew that God really loved them. They didn't doubt anymore. When the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them, they just knew, Lord, you have forgiven me. And you do love me. You do care about what I go through. See, when the Holy Spirit comes in power, boy, your heart just rests in Christ, you just rest and you just know, Lord, I can trust you with my future. I can trust you with my loved ones. Lord, I can trust you with the church. Oh, when the power of God is manifest, I'll tell you, that's what people will want to come to. They want to know, is God really real? Or is he just something that Christians just keep up a tradition is it just a tradition that Christians uphold and it'll soon die off anyway with, with the latest generation? Oh, people want to know that God is real and therefore we need to know the power of the true and living God. 
And so, what does it look like then? Because that's the question I have to come to. I think, right, Scott, that sounds powerful. It sounds amazing. It sounds true. When I read my Bible, yes, I can read that too in the New Testament. But Scott, what does it look like for the Holy Spirit to come in power upon the church? What does that look like? How, how, do, I, how do I know? Well, can I remind you today of this lovely church in chapter 4 of Acts. I want you to notice what happens when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon a church. In verse 31, I want you to notice they became an effective praying church. You know when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon a church and individuals because it will set the church praying. You will have renewed passion for prayer. You will know that there's no other answer but prayer. You know when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon a church and upon your life, you will have this absolute burning desire to pray because you know it's the only answer. It's the only answer. It's the only answer for my children. If I want my children and grandchildren, if I want my neighbor, if I want my friends to come to know Christ and to come to church, I need to pray. Only prayer. And so the church, when the Holy Spirit came upon this church in the book of Acts, boy, they were set to praying. Now they began to work. And they labored in prayer. They were born in a 10-day prayer meeting. This church that grew so quickly, they were birthed in a 10-day prayer meeting. We're told they were united in prayer, as we shared last Sunday morning. They all came together as one to pray. They waited and they prayed. When Peter was jailed, and then released. How could Peter get released from prison? Well, the book of Acts tells us that the church prayed. <laughs> they prayed for Peter. And it says that then Peter got out of jail. We're told that when the church was fearful and, per and when they were being persecuted, we're told that they, they prayed. When the fear for their future came, when they were being hounded and persecuted, we're told that they were set to prayer. And then what happens when they prayed? Boldness came. The Spirit filled them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke boldly. Isn't that lovely? That early church, through prayer, they became courageous saints. They were so bold. They weren't sitting wondering, oh, I feel a bit shy. I don't know how to witness. I don't know how to share with others. See, in the early church, you would have met people like that too. You would have been able to shake their hands and say, oh, I'm glad you feel a wee bit shy and you feel, how do we witness for Jesus? They were all like that. But see, when the Holy Spirit came, they, they received a supernatural boldness. 
The Lord gave them words to speak. In fact, Peter and John, remember, were told that when they began to share the gospel, when they began to share about the resurrection, about Jesus, that he's, he's the risen saviour, when they began to share, they were imprisoned for what they said. And when they were put into jail, they were then released. And the judge said to them, you are now, as, we, as you're going to be released, you're not allowed to mention the name of Jesus ever again. The name of Jesus is not to be mentioned. And do you know what Peter and John said? He said, we can't help but tell. <laughs> we can't help it. You can't stop it. See, when the Holy Spirit comes, you're not going to worry about what should I say. Your family are going to say, will you be quiet? <laughs> you, it's when you get to that place, when the Holy Spirit comes, you can't help but tell. You're going to meet someone in the supermarket and you're going to tell them, do you know this? I was in church on Sunday and I've never had an experience like it. I felt as if heaven came down. I felt as if the gates of heaven were there and I could almost hear angels singing. I felt as if just the presence of heaven was just filling the church. You know, you're going to, you can't help but tell. The Holy Spirit, when he comes upon the church, oh, he'll set them praying. A spirit-filled church is the need of the hour. A spirit-filled believer, we need to be filled daily it's not just a one-off experience we ought to be seeking the lord daily to be filled without spirit-filled prayer the church will just totter on without that empowering of the spirit a church will decline again i can't remember who said it but I remember hearing the church that is not praying is playing. Oh Lord, let us never play at church, but that we, that we would be a praying church. But you know when the Holy Spirit comes upon a church, yes, they become effective. They become an effective praying church. Uh, effective praying church. But notice in verse 32, they also became a supernatural, loving church. I love that. When the Holy Spirit came upon them, they received a supernatural love. They couldn't help but love people. Even to the degree of loving your, your enemy. Loving people that you don't get on with. When that supernatural love of God came upon the church... Boy, they didn't regard their own possessions as anything. They, 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 they decided, Lord, this is yours anyway. My money, my home, my everything. Lord, this is all yours. These are gifts. And Lord, I, I don't mind sharing them. I don't mind using my, my treasures to bless a life. I don't mind, Lord, seeing souls saved. And if I can help, if I can serve in any way, if I can take someone to church in my car, Lord, I'll give you my car. Lord, I don't mind inviting people, giving them a lift. Lord, I, whatever I can do, delivering a bag of groceries, Lord, whatever I can do. When the Holy Spirit comes upon a church, oh, 
you will see a supernatural loving church. A church that loves their community, that loves their streets, that, love, that loves those who may be low in society. The people, the world looks on and say, oh, these poor souls. But you know, when the supernatural love of God comes, oh, there's such a love. There's a care. There's a heart for the lost. There's a heart for the prodigals, those who have strayed. There's a heart to see people healed and delivered and coming to know life. You no longer point the finger, oh, I knew they're, oh, they're, always, they're always like that. See that nippy sweetie down the road there? Oh, she's horrible. See that man over there? Oh, he goes to church on a Sunday, but you should hear him on a Monday. He swears like a trooper. Instead of pointing the finger at people finding all their faults, when the supernatural power of God comes in a church, boy, they shall love, they shall love. They shall love for the stranger. They shall love for the wanderer. They shall love for the lost. We want people to come to know Christ, to see them saved, to seeing them knowing forgiveness and mercy and grace. Yes, a church that knows power, knows an effective prayer ministry. And they will know a supernatural love for those outside the church and inside the church. See, when that supernatural love of God fills a church and a believer, then the world notices because see, when you leave church, they'll be saying, see how they love one another. See how they love one another. And see how they love Jesus. That'll be the, that's the witness. When you go into a community and they see how the church loves. To be a supernatural loving church, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. To know an effective praying church, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, when we are filled again as a church with the Holy Spirit, we will also notice in verse 31 and verse 33 there that we become a bold witnessing church. We will be bold witnesses for Christ. We will not be ashamed of the gospel. We will not be ashamed to talk about Jesus anymore. When the Holy Spirit comes, oh, your heart just, Lord, I love you and I don't mind the world knowing. When I'm sitting in company and people are ridiculing Christianity, Lord, I'm not going to be embarrassed anymore because, Lord, I know your power. I know your love. I know you. Lord, you've touched my life and I'll stand up, stand up for Jesus as a soldier of the cross. Yes, we become bold witnesses for Christ. As the church were empowered of the Holy Spirit, remember, once again, as I shared last Sunday, they were witnesses to the resurrection of Christ. They were witnesses to Christ, not to themselves. The church is never meant to be the Lord's people going out here from a church service telling the world how good we are. 
And what better people we are now. Once we were really naughty people and now we're good people. That's not a witness. That may well be a witness to yourself. But we're not to be witnesses to ourselves that, we're, that we've improved in life. That's not witnessing for Christ. That's not a bold witness. A bold witness is someone who witnesses to Christ. It's to Jesus. It's where we leave here saying, I'm not good. I feel as if I haven't actually improved that much. But I can tell you this, Jesus, I feel, oh, he's become even more beautiful to me. Jesus is so good. He's so loving. He's so forgiving. My heavenly father, he is so caring. He really cares about me. He loves me. He, he desires to forgive me every day when I blunder and when I sin and when I mess up. Oh, it's wonderful that the Lord, he just loves me still. And he wipes away all my tears. Now that's a witness. You're witnessing to the Lord. You're telling the world who Jesus is, who God is, not who you are. And so that's why it's such a relief, isn't it, when we're called to be witnesses that you don't have to boast about yourself. You don't have to show the world that you're a, a, an amazing person now, that you're much more holy, that you're, oh, better than you were, that you can now go to communion on a Sunday, that you can do whatever. No, to be a witness is to tell how good Jesus is. You tell the world what Jesus means to you. Oh, he's so loving, isn't he? He's so caring. And so when the Holy Spirit comes in power upon the church, yes, we become an effective praying church. We become a supernatural loving church. And we become a bold witnessing church. That's what a church looks like when they have experienced the power of God. Now, I don't want you to get discouraged saying, oh, Scott, we're not like that. We're not like the church in Acts. Well, can I encourage you? We can be. Can we seek the Lord? Can we pray like the early church? Can we ask like the early church, for God to clothe us with power again? Can I encourage you this week? Will you pray every day that God will allow his power to fill the church? Will you pray for a week as we run up to next Sunday, which is Ascension Sunday? Will you pray, Lord, I pray that I'll experience your power, not just on Sunday coming, but Lord, can I get a taste of it right now? Can I know your power today? Is that your heart? Is that your, your prayer? Oh, I look forward to what the Lord can do when he pours his spirit upon us. And it's my cry and it's my longing that God would fill us even this day with his power, with the power of the Holy Spirit that will be renewed in our passion for prayer that we will love others and that we'll witness for Christ. Oh, can we pray? Let's pray together. Lord, just before Helen comes to lead us in our intercessory prayers, Lord, I just want to lift 
each heart up to you today. Lord, we're the church here in Stevenson. Lord, we believe we're your people. But Lord, so often we feel so weak. We feel cold of heart. We feel so disappointed, so discouraged. Lord, we feel so deflated. But Lord, today we look up. Oh, how we need you. Lord, we need your power. We need your Holy Spirit to refresh us again, to renew us, to rekindle a fire. Lord, would you cause your church to burn again? And Lord, I ask that you would cause just the fire of heaven to fall upon each head here bowed in prayer. Lord, would you give them renewed hope? Lord, would you just refresh them with anticipation and excitement? Lord, renew their joy and their delight in you. Oh, Lord, come. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Jesus, we honour you. Father, we love you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, triune God, how we bless you this day. And so, Lord, we thank you now for the privilege of being able to pray for others as we now intercede. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that through our Lord Jesus we can come to your throne of grace. We come humbly and ask you to make us clean channels fit to serve you and bring your glory. We ask you to bless all our church family, those who are gathered with us, with us today and those who for various reasons are unable to be here. Make us a truly united body and help us to care and be a blessing to each other. We pray for anyone who are ill or housebound. May they all be aware of your presence with them. We remember those who have recently been bereaved. Let them know the comfort of your loving arms around them. Thinking wider afield, we commit to you our brothers and sisters in war-torn and dangerous places. Grant them peace and protection and enable them in the midst of upheaval and danger to spread the gospel of peace. Father, soften the heart of leaders and all who start war and unrest. Show them their sin and folly, folly and open their hearts and minds to you. Cause them to return in repentance to you and do bring your peace to the many devastated and disrupted areas across our world. The scriptures tell us that nothing is too hard for you. And we hold before you our friends Suresh and Roger and all their work with India Village Ministries. Thank you for their spiritual and physical service to people living in slum conditions, including the many still suffering from the effects of COVID-19. 
as Suresh and Roger came, come to visit us in a few weeks. May they be encouraged by being reminded of the High Kirk's ongoing interest and support for their work. We give thanks for the tithes and offerings given today. Bless all who have given and also those who give of their time and abilities in taking care of the whole area of the church's finances. Grant wisdom and direction as decisions are made without using the offering, with, about using the offerings to spread the influence of the kingdom of God. Father, we pray for the church in this area. May all the different congregations and denominations work together for the cause of the kingdom. We remember the psalmist said that you command the blessing where there is unity. We pray that wise and godly decisions will be made regarding the future of the Church of Scotland buildings and resources. And we remember that the General Assembly takes place this week. Father, in all its weakness, please draw near and overwhelm these gatherings with your presence and power. We ask that the commissioners who attend will receive a renewed call to serve Christ and his church wherever they are, are located, and that glory will be brought to your name. We do thank you for your word preached today. May it bear fruit in all our lives. O oh Lord, grant us a deep thirst for you and fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. We long to see revival starting in the church and overflowing into the community and help us to persevere in prayer and boldly spread the good news of Jesus. In your mercy, hear our prayers as we ask all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thanks so much, Helen, for leading us in our intercessory prayers. Well, we're going to stand in our as we worship in our closing hymn, O Church, arise and put your armour on.
And so may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship, comfort, and power of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Thank you.